Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Great to see you guys. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you are. Hey, next week we're going to be kicking off our Christmas series, Home for Christmas. You're going to want to be here for that. But today's a special day. We're calling it Celebration Sunday. Really, we're celebrating three things. One, we're going to celebrate today all that God's done through our uncharted season up to this moment. Uh, we're going to be celebrating uh, the send-off of our Carson Campus launch team uh, because our Carson Campus grand opening is next Sunday, and so yeah, we're excited for that. And, uh, and then here's the third thing we're celebrating. About a year ago, 12, 18 months ago, the Lord just made it really clear to me and to our elder team that as Life Church grows and as we go from one location to three, uh, that there, we needed to begin to, to look for another key piece uh, of our leadership team and, uh, and really look for someone who would in many ways function with ministries the way Pastor Scott functions with all things related to finances and facilities and construction projects and handling the day-to-day management of all those kinds of things, began to look for the person who, who, would, who would lead out in just the day-to-day management of the ministry side of Life Church, our, our, our ministry leaders on staff and just the, the, all the day-to-day ministries that are occurring. And so we began a, a, a year-long search asking God to bring us that ideal person, and so I'm excited today to introduce uh, Michael and Laura Murphy to you. Let's welcome them to the stage. Michael, Michael will be serving as our executive pastor of ministries, and and just taking a whole lot of the day-to-day leading of our day-to-day ministries um, uh, off of me, so that I can function in the areas where God's most gifted me and where my role most requires, and so uh, guys, we're excited to have you here. Uh, Michael is uniquely qualified, and over the last 30 years, served at some of the greatest churches in America in roles just like this, uniquely qualified to help us take the next steps that we're taking, but here, more than all the experience these guys have, more than all the abilities, what you guys are gonna love are their hearts. Their, their hearts for God and their hearts for people and just really their heart to see uh, people come into right relationship with God. So Michael, say hello to the folks. Yeah, thanks, uh, Pastor Dave. It's just it's an honor for us uh, to be able to be here to serve Pastor Dave and Claire and to become part of the Life Church family. So thanks so much. We are honored to be here with you and look forward to a great future together. Let's give these guys a great Life Church welcome. You know, as we celebrate uh, where we have come uh, over these last few months uh, in our Uncharted initiative, and I just want to remind you, our number one goal, our primary goal for the Uncharted initiative is that everybody that calls Life Church their church really would go on a spiritual journey, asking God to take us each to a new place and our passion for him, our, our priority uh, for his kingdom, and that the overflow of that would be a new place of generosity and that the overflow of that would be the Life Church be able to make a bigger difference uh, both locally and regionally and globally than we've ever been able to make before. And, and so I just want you to check out just a quick two-minute recap of where we've come so far in our Uncharted initiative. We often find ourselves standing at the edge of the known, gazing into the vast expanse of the unknown. 
as we stand on the brink of our next chapter, 18 years old as a church, we reflect on the paths we've tread. But the horizon invites us forward, and there's so much more that God has for us. This vision isn't just a statement, it's the heartbeat of our community, the compass that directs every step we take. It's the cornerstone of all we do and the direction for our journey ahead. Let's venture together into the uncharted. opportunity for us to be able to live out our faith in a response in the way that Christ has given for us. We get to put our money and our resources and everything towards what God's doing. I'm excited for the campuses, the churches that we're going to be building. I'm excited for Uncharted because they're helping other kids and building other churches in different places. We realized it's time to step out of our comfort zone to move beyond where we'd been comfortable with our finances. Like I said, our, our, our primary goal was that we would see just incredible engagement uh, of just that the vast majority of people that call Life Church their church would, would fully engage this journey. I want to share with you a couple of numbers that excite me uh, just as much as the number that we're going to share with you in a minute in terms of our total commitments and expected gifts. But the, here, here's one number that really encourages me. Uh, nearly 400 households at Life Church made commitments towards the Uncharted Initiative. That represents, uh, absolutely, that represents nearly 1,400 people. And so, incredible. Here's something else that's incredible. Um, about 25%, nearly 100 of, of those households were households that had never previously before uh, given financially to Life Church. Some of them have shared with me individually. This is exactly the, the very first time they've ever uh, stepped into generosity towards kingdom work before. And so nearly uh, 100 households, nearly 400 people that that, you know, 350 people that that represents. Let's celebrate that incredible uh, level of engagement. And so we're about to share with you in a minute the uh, total of our commitments and expected gifts for these next two years, kind of going from beginning right now, December 1st, 2023, through December 2025. You probably remember that our goal uh, was incredibly ambitious. $15 million uh, was our goal uh, to see of total generosity to come to Life Church over this two-year period now through December 2025. Over a normal two-year period without the Uncharted Initiative, we would have likely expected to receive somewhere between nine and a half and $10 million in generosity over those two years. And so here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna count down from five. The crowd's gonna do a little drum roll noise, a little drum roll. Kids, I'm gonna count down from five, and then when it gets to zero, we're gonna turn it over. So crowd, let's start our drum roll. Five, four, three, two, one. Let, kids, let's turn it around. 
incredibly close, but here's the thing. We actually have an intentional mistake here. Let's have you switch with you. You guys switch over. Coming on over. 16,546,175. And so guys, let's give it up for these kiddos as they leave the stage. And so guys, because uh, uh, we uh, have exceeded our goal for our commitments and expected gifts, that, that just means that in each of our uh, key three areas of our uncharted uh, ministry, which kind of represents our general fund for these next two years, and then our uncharted mission, the difference that we will make outside of uh, South Reno from giving to uh, those that find themselves in need and in our church and in our community and then also launching of our campuses and then building the churches internationally and then our ongoing partnerships and, and then in terms of our uncharted movement, transforming our uh, South Reno campus facilities and opening up LCA and reworking our parking lot, those things, it just allows us to, to, to uh, in each of those areas, take further steps, and we'll be sharing with you more details about that as we go into next year. But uh, as Pastor Greg mentioned, uh, today, uh, this week, really kind of begins our season of giving from December 1st of this year through the end of December of 2025, and, and we, uh, today is called this Big Get Give Day, and I really want you to think in terms of, a, a, of really the, the next 60 days uh, are, are, are really essential. These, uh, in every church in America, uh, December is by far the uh, greatest uh, month of generosity that happens uh, in every church. It's not uncommon. Uh, some years at Life Church uh, that that we'll see 30% of, of the total generosity for the year come in in the month of December. And so um, we're really hoping and, and praying that that uh, between now and the end of January, we would see an incredibly strong start, both December, which is this tax year, and then January, which is next uh, year's uh, tax year, that as we have it, it's kind of these next 60 days, that the way we start will make a significant impact on the things that we're allowed to do and how quickly we're uh, able to do them. And so specifically, we are uh, hopeful that if we have the financial resources, and if the weather cooperates, and I've got a little more hope in the financial resources than I do the weather, um, but if the uh, financial resources and the weather cooperates, we would love to have this area, this back parking lot complete by Easter. That is a, a goal we have, and so let's just pray for the driest winter we've ever had, but still enough water and enough snow for skiing, that perfect balance for construction, but water and skiing, it all works miraculously. Um, and then, uh, and then our goal is in the summer to be uh, breaking ground on our Life Christian Academy school building. And so uh, we're really praying these uh, first two months that we just start incredibly strong. And, and so, um, but in addition to uh, this, really what we're celebrating today is, is really the launching. This kind of big give represents the, the giving of our people uh, from our Reno campus to our Carson campus, and so I want to talk to you about that a little bit. If you have your Bibles, go over to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. I do want to give one quick uh, additional piece of information. Uh, I encourage all of our Reno campus folks to once or twice, a few times a year, pop down to Carson, see what God's doing down there. Um, I, I would uh, really encourage you, unless you are kind of someone that is planning on making the Carson campus your campus, 
or unless you have a friend or family member that you want to bring that lives in kind of the Carson City, Carson Valley area that you want to bring with you to the grand opening next week, we would really encourage our Reno people to be here at this campus next week because if all of you guys show up in Carson next week, there'll be no room for the Carson people to come. And so um, can y'all not go to Carson next week? Yeah, I thought so. Okay, so Acts chapter 13 and verse one. We see a church right here that's in a similar moment to the moment we're in today. Uh, It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I wanna talk to you today about what I believe was the defining moment for the church that changed the world. I believe that as you read the book of Acts, as you read the New Testament, I believe that that a strong argument can be made that the most influential church that made the greatest impact of any church in church history was this church in Antioch because of this moment. Now, a few things about this church in Antioch. It it really was the first thriving church outside of of Jerusalem or outside of Israel, outside of what would be called kind of the Gentile or the, quote, pagan world, and so it was really the first thriving church that was outside of of, of what would be thought of as the hub of the Jewish people in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. What, What had happened is Jesus had said, go into the whole world and make disciples. And the Christians then, just like Christians today, sometimes hear what Jesus says clearly, and Jesus says, go into the whole world, and they thought, well, I think what he means is stay right here in Jerusalem and go nowhere. And so then what happened is is sometimes when we don't do the right thing, the first pass, God allows circumstances to come into our lives which help us take the steps we need to take. And so the persecution began to arise. We see Stephen, the first martyr, dies, and then people realize staying in Jerusalem is not as comfortable as we thought, and then they begin to go out into the whole world and they take the gospel. They go to Antioch, a bunch of people come to faith. There's this really thriving church. It was in Antioch where Christians were first called Christians, which just meant little Christ. It was was meant to be a derogatory term, but they just owned it, and we're still using it today. It was an incredibly generous church, even though it was filled with non-Jews. When the church in Jerusalem found themselves in need, they were the first ones to give generously to help them, and so it was this really great church, but the thing that they did that made the biggest difference is what we see here, where they send out Saul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, who would go out and and they would be the ones that would really take the gospel to the whole non-Jewish world that would spread through the Roman Empire and ultimately lead to even us being here today. I believe this is the most influential church ever, and I'm gonna show you four things about this church today. Here's the first thing. There was a God-ordained gathering of gifted people. First thing we see about this church is they had a pretty strong leadership team. Says now this church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, and Saul. 
It's, uh, and so what we see is there's this really strong team. They've got, it's not, not just, many of, of the churches that were being started, they were just small little churches and they might have one capable leader. What we see here is there's four or five really strong leaders providing a depth of, of leadership to, to this church here. And, and, and they find themselves in a situation where they really have more than what is needed simply for that church there. Here, here's a principle I wanna share with you. I believe this principle applies to us as individuals and us as a church. As individuals, I believe this principle applies to us when it comes to our finances. I believe this principle applies to us when it comes to our time and when it comes to our giftedness. As a church, I believe this principle applies to us when it comes to our finances, and I would be saying this even if we didn't just exceed our goal. I, I believe it applies to a church when it comes to its people and, and, and the gifts that are there. Here's the principle. When God provides more than is required, it is often because he is about to require more from us. It looks like we have extra, but really we simply are being prepared for what God is about to do. And this church in Antioch, it looks like they've got extra leaders, and it's because God has more in store for them. He's going to send some of them out to change the whole world. And, and, and really over these last couple of years, as our leadership team, as our elders, as we've been talking and praying about this idea of, of launching a, a, a campus in Carson, launching one in Sparks, part of it really has been rooted in this feeling like God has gathered just a bunch of great people, people that are a part of our leadership community, and then just a bunch of just great people at Life Church that serve and really make a difference, that this feeling of, of God is gathering some people together for the purpose of sending some of us out so that to make a bigger difference than ever. There was this God-ordained gathering of gifted people. Here's the next thing we see in this church. There was beautiful unity in the midst of remarkable diversity. There are these five guys. We end up knowing a lot about three of them and a little about two of them. We, we've got Barnabas, who was a Jew from Cyprus. Cyprus is an island in the Mediterranean. Uh, his background, uh, even though he has, was of Jewish heritage, his, his, the culture which he grew up in was more of a Greek-influenced culture. Uh, he was a very early prominent Christian leader. Barnabas was the kind of guy that everybody wants to be their best friend. He, he, was, he was an incredible encourager to where his actual birth name was Joseph, but, but he was such an encourager that gave him a nickname, son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. He was an incredible encourager, and then he was also incredibly generous. Very early in, in the, we see in, in early in the book of Acts, how Barnabas sells some land so that he might give, it, give the resources away. He was a generous encourager, just a great guy, one of the earliest Christian leaders. And then we see Simeon. We don't know much about him, but he was likely from Africa, more central Africa likely. Lucius uh, is what tells us he's from Cyrene, which is in modern-day Libya in North Africa. And, and then we, are learned, we know a little bit more about this guy, Manian. It says that, that he was... Uh, brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Now, the Herods were, were, were these kind of regional kings. They were terrible. Most, most of them were terrible people. Herod the Tetrarch would have been the, the Herod at this time, or is also sometimes called Herod Antipas. He was the Herod who killed John the Baptist and was the Herod that, that Jesus came and saw as a part of his trial. And, and so it says that he grew up with this guy, this guy who was a terrible guy, an opposer of Christians, and, and, and this, this phrase can be interpreted one of two ways. It can be interpreted simply that they were childhood friends. 
Much more likely, it's meant to be interpreted. This word, suntrophos, literally mean, would be how we would refer to a foster brother. Someone who grows up in the home, as a part in the home, but, but they're not, they're not uh, legally related or biologically related. So it looks like this guy grows up in the home with the current Herod who kills John the Baptist and who saw Jesus at the time of his trial, but that he grew up in the home of Herod the Great, the one who sought to have Jesus killed at Christmas time. And so this guy has got this significantly fascinating background, grows up around wealth and privilege and around two of the biggest villains in the New Testament. He has a very fascinating story. And then we've got Saul, an ethnic Jew who grew up in Tarsus, modern-day Turkey, early in his childhood, moves to Jerusalem, ends up training under, under the great rabbi Gamaliel, becomes an expert in the Jewish law, and then we're first introduced to him as he is the one who's ordering the killing of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, and then he's going around and arresting Christians, and then he comes to faith on the road to Damascus. And so what we see here is we've got these people from all different parts of the world. That, and that have been gathered together and some people that were among the earliest Christians. Barnabas, no doubt, knew Stephen, the one who Saul was the ringleader of having him killed. They've come from entirely different places in the world, entirely different life experiences. All these people come together and they're living in great unity. How do we know they're living in unity? Because they're spending their time worshiping and praying and not fussing and fighting and making a big stuff out of little stuff. They are living together in unity despite their great diversity. And honestly, it's one of the great strengths of Life Church over the years is God's brought a bunch of different people from a bunch of different places. Now listen, most of y'all are from California. Not everybody can be from Texas. But people that have different personalities and different church backgrounds or no church background, and people who are, have, have gifted in one way and people that are gifted in other ways and people that are passionate about one aspect of what it looks like to, to live in the kingdom now and others that are passionate to live in another aspect of what it looks like to live in the kingdom and, and this diversity, but, but brought together in this unity, it's a mark of, of the kind of church that ends up making a great difference. And here's the next thing we see about this church. They had a culture of spiritual expectancy. Let me show this to you. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So they're worshiping, they're praying, they're fasting, and then God speaks of the Holy Spirit. And now it doesn't tell us how the Holy Spirit spoke. Likely, it was through one of these people. So the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And so, so there's this culture of spiritual expectancy. There's this expectation that God's with them and going to speak to them, and then they, they're listening, and then they're responding. This culture of spiritual expectancy. And so out of that comes this incredible calling, which ultimately would change the world. God says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, two people with different personality types, People that have had different experiences come from different places. He says, set them apart for me and for the purpose to which I've called them. There was this incredible call which ended up transforming the world. And uh, I, I'm gonna ask uh, the bronze uh, to come and join me. These guys are our campus pastors for our Carson campus. I just wanna chat with these guys for a couple of minutes, a little bit about their journey. And we see here God calls these guys one way, God calls people different ways, and, and uh, guys, thanks for coming up. Thank Absolutely, you. thanks for having us up. 
Hey, so, uh, yeah, love for, some people know a little bit, but love for some of these folks just to, you know, we see this story, these guys, well, well there's this kind of God's moving and then God's speaking and then people responding. Unpack a little bit about y'all's kind of sense of calling towards kind of doing this Carson campus. Yeah, uh, Christy and I, um, Christy's from Fallon, she's a Nevada native, and um, <laughs> we, we moved back here to Nevada um, about 12 years ago and became uh, members at Life Church within the first six months or so of being here. We were talking as a family this weekend. Um, our son was three when he started in the preschool ministry. Our, our daughter was one. And uh, it's really just been an incredible church for us. And uh, both of us being in the marketplace, Christy running her business and me running my practice, um, we've, we've just been so excited to be here. Um, and it was about six years ago. I was at a, a men's retreat, a men's encounter, and... I really began to just get this sense in my heart that, that God was calling us together towards vocational ministry. And I can remember coming home and having that conversation with you, and, um, and, and her response was, that's awesome, I'm so happy for you, I will support you in anything you wanna do, but I'm never working for a church. Um, and I just began to pray, uh, because I knew that this was a, a calling for us. I didn't know what it looked like. Um, and, and about a year later that Christy began to, to feel um, this, this call towards vocational ministry. Um, and again, we weren't on staff yet at the church, but we were just praying through this. And then about four and a half years ago, um, we heard about this property down in Carson City where there was once a thriving church, once thriving um, Christian education happening down there. And uh, one weekend, uh, four and a half years ago, you, you said, do you want to go down and see this property with me? And I was watching sports at the time, and my answer was no. Um, Dusty, how often do you choose sports over Jesus? How often does that, that happen? That's a different Sunday topic. Right, we'll, right. we'll unpack that later. Sports are important. Sports are important. And Jesus is ultimately important. <laughs> I love Jesus. <laughs> and the 49ers, meaningfully. Yes, go Niners. Um, I'm going to continue. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I drove down to the um, property there on Snyder Avenue, and I'd never been there before. I didn't know what to expect, and when you pull in, there's this adorable chapel, and I parked in front of the chapel, and I got out, and I walked up to it, and as I was walking up to it, I just really felt the presence of the Lord, and I knew, like, I had this knowing that this property was supposed to bring glory, glory to God, and I walked um on the other side of the chapel and there are these prayer gardens there and um, I sat on this rock and I was kind of praying, kind of just like listening and I this phrase came in to like my heart and it was to win for the lamb the rewards of his suffering, to win for the lamb the lost. And it's this song that um, Daryl Evans wrote that we used to sing in college. Long time ago. Yeah. A long time ago. <laughs> like mid 80s. Not that. that. That's your. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it was like two decades before. I had never even thought about this song. And that phrase, to win for the lamb, the rewards of his suffering, it's been this like grounding phrase for us. When things have gotten kind of hard, we just come back to that, that this is what this is all about. And I thought like for decades that um, Daryl Evans, who sang that song, that he just like wrote it out of some verses in Revelation. And last night we were looking up that phrase and that is not the case. And we were blown away with a story about the Moravians. Yeah, yeah. there's really this incredible story in the 1700s of this group of people that fasted and prayed 
um, for 100 years. And, and out of this movement, there was this group of people, the Moravians, where God just began to put it into their heart to send out people, to send out missionaries um, out to the, the four corners of the earth. Um, and then specifically the story of these, uh, some of the first two missionaries that left uh, to go to the island of St. Thomas. They wanted to be missionaries to the slaves that were there, the African slaves that were brought over. Um, and, and as they got onto the ship and they're looking back at the shore and their friends and their, and their family are there and they know they're never going to see their friends, their family again, they're going, um, and, and they raise their fist and they say this phrase, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And when we were reading that last night, um, we thought about what's at hand and the this was gonna be commissioning Sunday today. And um, Dave just asked us about, about this call. And yes, we feel that we're supposed to be the campus pastors down here, but this may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. This isn't just for us. This is for our precious launch team. They feel this. This is honestly for the entire church. Yeah, this whole idea, that, I mean, the, the reward of his suffering is, is people come being adopted into God's family. That's why Jesus died, so people could all be right with God and being in his family. And, and so that's, uh, that's why we do the things we do. That's awesome. So, you know, as we've had these conversations over the last few years, uh, you know, Life Church, we, we're for helping independent, autonomous church plants that come into the region. There's, there's always a, a few at, at a time that, that we're supporting financially that are just come in and starting a church and, and we seek to partner and encourage and I mentor and coach and couple of church planters here in the, in the region, and we're for that. And m- many times we said, hey, do you guys want us to like put together a team and put together some resources and send y'all out to start like an independent autonomous church? Or do we want, do you guys want this to be a campus of Life Church, an expression of Life Church in Carson, one church, two locations? And, and every time you guys were like, hey, let's, we want to do this as, wh- why? Why do you guys want to do it at, this way? The, um, you know, for Christy and I, we, we grew up in and around church. Um, both of our parents are pastors. And so we've seen, and then we've we, uh, lived in Tulsa for a while, and then we lived um, uh, on the East Coast. And so we've seen a ton of different versions of church. Um, we've seen healthy churches. We've seen unhealthy churches. And honestly, it was one of the things when we came 12 years ago that we immediately fell in love with was just Life Church was a healthy church that did things with excellence, and the community that's been built here, the the way that kids programming is done, uh, the 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 focus in, into going out into the community, and so as we prayed through this whole thing, it was just this sense of like, and we want to do this with Life Church that we believe so much in Life Church and what Life Church is doing in this valley and and in the surrounding areas um, that this needed to be a campus of Life Church. It, it needed to be, and we've heard from multiple pastors that, that Carson City needs a church like Life Church down there. Yeah, I knew like from from day one when I went to the campus and just felt God's presence. I called you, and then ten minutes later, I called you and. Was so excited. We've always wanted to do it with Life Church. It's awesome. Well, hey, I'm gonna. Invite, I've got one last, shortest point that you'll hear me preach this year. Um, and uh, but while I'm getting ready to do that, I'm gonna invite the the launch team. We have a, about a hundred people that are coming from that we're sending down to. They're gonna come on up on the stage. You guys come on up, and then some of our leadership here, staff and elders, are gonna come on up. And uh, let's welcome these guys as they come on up. And so what we see here in this, uh, in this story here, it says, uh, 
So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and, uh, and sent them off. And, and what we see here at this church in Antioch, this church that I believe may be the most influential church in 2,000 years to change the world because of this moment is that they sent out their best. They sent out Barnabas, who seems to be the point leader. Usually the name that's listed first is usually the, the point leader. They send out Barnabas, and then they send out Saul, who clearly, no doubt, there was great evidence of his giftedness and God's hand on him as he would then what ultimately go on to the future and, and, and write half the New Testament and it would have been easy for them to say, hey, we'd love to send those two really irritating people here in our church. Or let's send those two people that don't do that much. But they sent their best. And as we send the bronze, and really as we send this whole team of folks to go as missionaries to Carson City, Carson Valley, Minden, Gardnerville, that whole region, we're, we are sending some of, of people, people that honestly, now the good news is when they send them, they didn't know if they were going to ever see them again. And uh, now the magic is we're still one church and, and two locations, and there'll be times we do stuff all together. There'll be times Dusty comes and preaches here. It's not, and, uh, but we're not going to see everybody every Sunday. And, uh, and so it's, uh, but there, so there is this sense where we're, we're, we're staying together as one, but we're still at the same time sending our best, some of our incredible people that we'll miss seeing every single Sunday. And, and uh, that, uh, but we'll still see sometimes, and it's a 30 minute drive. It's not, it's, uh, I always joke if you grew up in a Christian uh, situation in like the 80s and early 90s, there were lots of like really uh, sad end of youth camp songs, like Friends are Friends Forever, and Pray for Me and I'll Pray for You, Pray that, you know, and I, all, the, all the songs of like that just make you cry last day of youth camp. And I'm amazing at singing those songs. And so, uh, but, but there is this th thing where we're sending these folks off. A lot of things will be different, but, but we'll still, still be one church and still have great moments where we're together. And, and, uh, and so, so what they did is they laid hands on these folks and blessed them and commissioned them out. And then what happens is God uses Barnabas and Saul to take the gospel across the Roman Empire, transforming an empire over those next few hundred years. Ultimately, we're here today because of this move this church did 2,000 years ago. A church that was able to see beyond the comfortable, beyond what, what was in that moment and see God's bigger picture of what he was calling them to. And so uh, in a moment, uh, Pastor Jericho is going to voice a, a prayer of blessing and commissioning. I want to invite you guys, as, as, uh, as many of you as feel comfortable, you can extend a hand towards these folks. This is kind of a, a symbolic laying of hands from the crowd out to these folks. But we're just going to do what the, these folks did. They prayed for them and sent them out. And so Jericho, why don't you voice uh, our prayer? Father, we, uh, we just come before you. Thank you for allowing us as a church to be a part of what you want to do down in Carson and what you want to do uh, here just across northern Nevada. Lord, we do. Lord, we thank you for the obedience of Dusty and Christy and, um, and what you did six years ago in their hearts, what you've done over the last couple of years, and uh, and all the struggle and the prayer, and um, Lord, to see your faithfulness in this journey. Lord, as we uh, commission this team out, Lord, we thank you for just the initial steps of Dusty and Christy 
And Lord, I pray that you would bless them, bless their family, that you would protect them uh, as they step into being the campus pastors down in Carson, what you have called their family to. Lord, this team, we ask for protection and blessing for them and their families. Uh, the sacrifice that they are all making and going down to be a part of this launch team. Lord, as we will see uh, your healing power that comes across that valley, Lord, we pray for lives to be changed, to, for marriages to be restored, or for uh, people just to come to know you in right relationship with you. And Lord, we are grateful that we get to be a part of your work. And so, Lord, as this team goes out, we pray that you, you know, the name of Jesus, would get all the honor and glory in all of it. And Lord, as we do send them out today, as we commission these, this team out, Lord, we do it in the name of Jesus. We sang that song today that there's power in the name of Jesus, that it's only worth doing because of who you are, the sacrifice that you made for us. And so, Lord, we do pray in the name of Jesus that there would be power that they would walk in your spirit, that they would walk in uh, the love and the grace and the mercy that we find in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that this isn't a uh, sad goodbye, Lord. This is a celebration as we see obedience walked out to what you are calling each of these people to do. And Lord, that as a church, we get to be part of that celebration. As Lord, we... Uh, we do ask that next Sunday would be just a glimpse of all you have in store for the Life Church Carson campus. Lord, we pray that you would even now be calling people that live in that Carson Valley area to come to know you there. Lord, that that will be a place where everybody in that community knows that the one true living God, he's there. So we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for all that you are going to do. And Lord, we pray a blessing over everybody that is part of this team and their family and their children that are going to be helping make this happen. So Lord, we do pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.